You're listening to Naked Truth, a therapy podcast. Please remember to check episode notes for trigger warnings before listening. All right, that's it for me. Now here's Alicia. Hello, this is Alicia again, and I'm excited to talk to you today about herbs. I wanted to talk about it because in mental health, as you know, you feel well when your physical body feels well. So herbs are natural remedies that you can use, grow in your garden, and uh, utilize in your everyday life to make your physical uh, body feel better. And Sophie will be helping me with questions and uh, <laughs> comments. And if something is not clear or could be explained better, uh, we'll certainly go over that with you. And you can always reach out to us as well. And, and then you have Dr. Google. So you can always Google anything <laughs> that, that is not clear. There could be a whole episode about Dr. Google. Dr. Google. <laughs> According Dr. to Google, I'm going to die. So <laughs> I know. <laughs> Um, so home remedies, uh, my family, I grew up in Poland, so my family always used a lot of different home remedies. We, we did go to doctors and we did get medicines for different things, but we also used a lot of different home remedies because why go to the doctor if you don't have to, right? So, um, I laugh to this day that, uh, I am not going to go to any doctors and skip all the middleman and just, uh, pay for the... Uh, funeral home membership and get my coffin <laughs> no <laughs> half off <laughs> when it's time of course yeah um, but home remedies let's just talk about that for a minute okay so one of the most common home remedies that we used was apple vinegar mm. and we used it for headaches and uh so i as a little kid i always had headaches and tummy aches, a lot of those, but a lot of headaches. And uh, I was always walking around with my head wrapped into clove. I can't say it so far. Like wrapped with a cloth and apple cloth. cider vinegar? Thank you. Yes. <laughs> so basically you use iced water yeah. and you put it in a cup or whatever you want to put it. And you add a little bit of vinegar and then you put cloth in there. You... Uh, basically make it wet and then you rinse it and then you and then you wrap it around your head and squeeze it so that it provides a little bit of pressure on your head and then the vinegar for whatever reason it will just uh sort of it takes out or helps relieve pain so how quickly does it work pretty fast i mm. think within uh 20 to 30 minutes interesting so my stomach was always sensitive as well so i um we didn't want to use a lot of um you know nsaids or ibuprofen or anything like that so i actually use more ibuprofen now than <laughs> before but uh but that was something that we did pretty commonly uh use the um topical treatment you could say because it's, it's basically you're putting it on the outside of your body around your head but the vinegar was always you know, helpful for headaches. Mm. So if you have headaches, uh, you can always try to use that and see if it helps you. Of course, there's lots and lots of other remedies, but we're not going to, I'm going to only talk about the ones that I know and personally checked out and I know they worked for me. Uh, you could also use vinegar. That was another thing we used a lot of. Uh, vinegar and baking soda mixed in with sugar and water, uh, kind of like in a half cup or you know I, I can't talk about 
the specific ingredients, right. the doses. But I think if you go online and you Google that, you will find how people will mix things together. But just small amount of uh, vinegar, sugar, uh, baking soda mixed in with water, and you mix it all together and you drink that for uh, if you have any indigestion. So if you have um, just stomach pain, uh, just indigestion issues, uh, gastric reflex, things like that. That will be a short-term relief. Um, maybe not the greatest to use long-term, but short-term it will help to uh, basically even out the acidity um, of, your, of your stomach. Interesting. Yeah. So um, I did hear that some people will use just baking soda. I heard of someone just swallowing a bunch of baking like soda. Like Tom's. But that I wouldn't do that. I would just not. I, I would if if I were you, literally, I would probably go online, search for different things, watch a little bit of YouTube uh, of people talking through this, and pick the method or something that sounds the best for you. But use your common sense. But Tums is just baking soda, basically. So yeah, that might be a safer way so that you don't take too much. Yeah, or Tom's is better than yeah. yeah do, do something else. Studied and but, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. Um, but yeah, so that that was sort of for indigestion. We used a lot of that. Another thing that, and this is this is my dad loves this, and so we always laugh that he smells like garlic, <laughs> <laughs> and that that you know the vampires are not going to attack him because he <laughs> smells like garlic, right? But garlic is uh, really good also for uh, any uh, indigestion, any stomach problems, pain, um, basically. I don't know if you know that, but penicillin, uh, you can make it out of garlic. Oh, wow. Yeah. Hmm. So um, so garlic kills a lot of bacteria. So anything that maybe you ate food that maybe wasn't the freshest, I mean, don't do that, but if you did, <laughs> maybe, maybe, I mean, uh, you can't tell for sure, you know, how serious it is, but it's a home remedy, so you can try it out. Uh, just... Um, what my family will do is they will take uh, clove, different little clove. Is it the, the clove of garlic? Thank you, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Those little pieces it. of garlic. And then uh, we will mince it or uh, chop it up in small pieces. And I don't like the taste of it, right? But what we'll do is we'll put it on a spoon, add a little bit of water, and then you drink it kind of like a medicine. But Ugh. you drink it and swallow with a lot of water. Yeah, it's kind of disgusting, but it does kill the bacteria in there, and you can feel it working. It will oh, like, wow. like really like feel like burning for a minute because it's you know it's a it's a high concentration of uh, herb that has those capa capacity to kill a lot of bacteria and basically. If you have any type of mild infection or anything like that, it will really help with uh, making that feel better. You know? That's awesome. So my dad live, uh, swears by it, and he, you know he's even <laughs> he doesn't want to take any blood pressure meds or anything like that. He just says, oh, "I took garlic, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm better now." So has he tracked it, and it's actually helped? No, I don't think it helps him. He's uh, his oh. blood pressure is not that great, but uh, mm. but he just he's very stubborn, and he will never listen to me. I mean, I would rather have him he's <laughs> take take the blood pressure meds, but. Uh, but in his case, you know, he refuses and he's just using garlic. I think yeah. it is what it is. Everybody has their, their own thing. way of dealing with things. So My uh, my grandma had mm -hmm. 
garden full of aloe, mm-hmm. and we it was lemongrass, mm-hmm. but then back home they call it like fever grass, mm-hmm. which is actually delicious in tea mm-hmm. with a little honey. Mm-hmm. But um, they used to take the aloe and blend it up into a shake. Oh, it was disgusting. Mm-hmm. But every time we'd go over there on Sunday, my dad would just drink a whole glass, like not even just a shot of aloe, but just a glass of that blended up. And then it they would put other like um, we would call it bush medicine, different mm-hmm. like. Um, I don't even know if they're fruit or vegetables. They're just these strange foods <laughs> that grow on trees in the garden and then mix it up and then drink it. Like room temperature, jello-y, aloe. Well, I mean, if but it they're helps, super it helps. healthy, though. You no, know, there's so. a lot of uh, wisdom in generations of people who, yeah. uh, who took it, you know, before and knew how to prepare it. And I think um, there's nothing wrong with that. If, it, if they, they tested it out and it worked for them, why not? Yeah, and then my grandma had this one fruit that she would always keep in the house. I think it was called Nooni fruit or something. Ooh, I have to look at that. It smells disgusting. <laughs> the whole house, I knew when she had it because the whole house just smelled like sour foot or something. Ooh. It was disgusting. <laughs> but she said it like killed cancer and stuff, so I don't know. A lot of home remedies out there. So yeah. And we'll placebo to, is real. So. I mean, it sounds like your family has a lot of home remedies, so we they have do. to write up a list and then uh, talk about how to prepare it and then share with people because yeah. why not? You know, being more natural is better than taking lots of these uh, different pills that, you know, every medicine, as much as it helps, there's things that it's going to do that, it's not great, so yeah. Hopefully, yeah. like the Brazil nut that I have to eat one a day. Hopefully, that will do something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the selenium. Mm-hmm. Yeah, increase your selenium levels and yeah. your thyroid levels. There yeah. you go. Uh, well, I mean, all of those hem- home remedies, hopefully, uh, if utilized in the right way, make people feel better. And when you feel good physically, your mental health is better too, and vice versa. So, um, another home remedy that my family used a lot was um, using comfrey. And that is a plant that looks literally like just any type of common weed. Not the weed that people smoke, <laughs> but uh, the, any type of common weed that you would find in the gardens or you know anywhere in nature. And you can Google comfrey, and there's lots of YouTube videos on this and lots of different recipes and people talking about it out there. But basically what what I remember is we would kind of go hunting for it and usually grow sort of kind of meadows or, or places like that wild. And we would dig out the roots, and you don't want to take, like, the whole plant because then you kill it, but you take parts of it and then let the rest of it grow so you can come back for more. Nice. It's very easy to grow in your garden or just anywhere. So if you you can actually buy it online because I would not know how to find it here in the U.S. So uh, you can actually go online, buy it, plant it somewhere, and and then just use it when you need it. And so what, what does it do? I know. Uh, <laughs> so uh, comfrey roots and the leaves can be used for treatment of pain. And they can be used for uh, if you have any types of injuries. So let's say you have a uh, twisted ankle, you have any type of bone injuries, any t- I mean, anything where you have, you know, your body is scarred, tissue, you're bleeding, any type of thing that, that you know, 
Yeah. Injuries. I mean, I don't know how else to explain. Like Any type ones of ones that you can see. Yeah, ones on that skin. you can see. Yep. Mm. And and it works best for I want to almost say like fresh injuries like put it right in there and let it sting you would put it on top of it so so basically you take the root you chop it up and you know if you can imagine a root you know some some of them are you know if you can imagine the thickness of your finger kind of like that's the length of it you know you chop it up into smaller pieces and create a lot of surface right and you put it in a little pot you pour water over it and then you you don't exactly boil it so you get it pretty hot but not boil it so you don't want the water to boil but you get it around that temperature and then you turn it off you let it cool and when you let it cool you will notice that the consistency is sort of smooth almost I want to say it's like watery smooth and then you will take clove any type of clove uh, and you will put it in there. Like a, a cloth. A, thank okay, you. I was thinking clove like the, you know. You know, Sophie, I can't pronounce That's okay. This. Just in case anyone was wondering. <laughs> I knew what you were talking about, but I thought about clove for a second. Yeah. I was like, oh, Okay, clove. say that again. Uh, cloth. Cloth. Like cloth. that? Cloth, yeah. Cloth. Yeah. <laughs> like cloth. <laughs> like cloth. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, so you take cloth, any type of cloth, uh, maybe something you don't use, and because yes, you you want to use something that you never really use or need again, because it actually will stain it, so it will leave stains on that cloth. Okay. Okay. So you dip it in there, you soak it, you rinse it just a little bit so that it's not pouring down your body. Um, you want to, let's say it's, it's a twisted ankle, uh, you will put it on your ankle on top of it, uh, kind of like a, like a what? Like a um, bandage? Dressing, like kind yeah. of like a dressing, you know. Mm-hmm. So you put it on there, and then you may want to put it, elevate your leg, obviously, but then also you would put maybe a towel under it, and then on top of it you would put the comfrey uh, cloth. Uh, and then... Uh, let it do its thing. Let it do its thing. So maybe you sit, maybe you you wait a few hours. You can also do it really well overnight. So mm. you would kind of put it around your ankle uh, overnight. But I mean, it can be used for so many things. There's just uh, any type of pain, and what it does, it it will help healing, speed up the healing process. And sometimes people just can't believe that it happens. So wow. we used it like on our doggies, you know, any type oh. of doggy would have an injury. We would, uh, we would use it uh, and help them. And dogs are so smart. They will pick up on, on the fact that it's helpful because normally a dog would just get up and leave, right? They mm-hmm. don't like anything on them kind of yeah, on their body. In but, their cuts. And, mm-hmm. yeah. But when they feel that it's good, they will actually lay down and they won't move. So we had a couple incidents over the years due to different reasons, you know, some type of accidents or different things. And we would, um, you know, of course, take the doggy to the vet first and, and they will get maybe some type of medications as well. But this can be certainly a supportive treatment because it will help the tissue uh, heal so much faster than if you just yeah. Don't do anything. Right. Mm-hmm. And just do, the, yeah. Yeah. Cool. So it's really awesome. I mean, uh, my sister, uh, we used it with her when she delivered the baby. She had a C-section and she, you know, was uh, the cut, unfortunately, that was done by a physician uh, was uh, very, had rugged edges and there was a lot of damage done. Um, my mom noticed that infection was kind of getting in there. And so my mom started doing for her every day uh, the compresses with the comfrey roots. And uh, within a few days, everything started healing 
and uh, got better pretty fast. So cool. I love the comfrey wow. root. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love the comfrey root. And basically, it's an amazing natural remedy. Uh, it, the name of it comes from comferma, which means knitting of bones, because it's kind of like knits, helps the bones grow. Um, it contains a special substance called allantoin. I can't pronounce it very well, but that's the fancy name for it. And that uh, substance is actually uh, in... It can be found in the mother's milk. So when a oh, woman wow. delivers a baby and produces milk, uh, there will be that substance called, called allantoin in her milk. Uh, and as the baby gets bigger, uh, there's less and less of that substance. That's mm -hmm. interesting because when my sister had her baby, um, mm -hmm. Aria had uh, uh, eczema. I can never Ex pronounce eczema? it. Eczema? Mm -hmm. Yeah, eczema. And um, she would squirt it with milk, and it was the only thing that worked. <laughs> wow. So that's interesting. See what I mean? So you can probably use it for that as well. My family used it a lot for uh, any type of bone injuries, skin injuries, uh, but there's, if you look online, it can be used for quite a few things. And it really helps soothe pain as well. Mm -hmm. So healing and pain. Cool. There is, um, you know, a lot of vitamin B12 in the comfrey uh, plant. Also vitamin B1, B2, C, E, and A. So the whole alphabet soup. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Iron, calcium, phosphorus, and some things that I can't even pronounce. So I'm not going to bother. Uh, there's also a book. Dr. Krishner wrote a book called Nature's Healing Grasses, and he devoted literally four chapters just to comfrey. Wow. So what a great, what a great herb. Can you ingest it? Yes. So some people make teas out of it, elixirs. Um, then they make something topical, like what I described. This would be a topical uh, but you can also uh, make something out of it that you could ingest, definitely. Uh, so he says that it works really great for lungs, any bronchial problems, skin, um, stomach ulcers, arthritis, skin cancers, tuberculosis, asthma. Wow. And even for beauty purposes. Oh. So you can put it on your skin and um, like if you have acne or anything like that because it soothes. Uh, your skin issues. So uh, so you can even do that. I mean, I think it's wonderful. I've seen it work. And I just think, you know, why should we pay so much for um, uh, health care, especially if we can grow some of those things in our backyard and not really do much to uh, grow it? I mean, all you have to do is uh, dig a hole that's two inches deep and <laughs> wide enough to lay uh, the cuttings horizontal, horizontally right. and then uh, you can buy the root online and then you know drop the cutting in the hole cover it with dirt and then you water it and then <laughs> the next thing you know you have a whole comfrey plant uh, growing in your backyard that's awesome yeah um, and then a lot of people use it uh, fresh sometimes they will use use it dried out because so you, let's say you have it in the summer and you can use it you can dig it out fresh well you can also actually dry it out and save it for the winter time because you can also then in the winter just put the dried root in the water and then boil that cool. well not boil but close to boiling but not boiling got you mm -hmm. like simmer it or mm -hmm, simmer well, it. i don't yeah. know is that 
I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I think simmer is the right word. <laughs> so I think it's really awesome, and uh, and I hope that if someone has pain or experienced any type of injury, um, that they understand that there's you know at least a comfrey root out there on their side, mm-hmm. and they can use it for their animals. They can use it on themselves. Um, the only side effect would be staining of. Uh, whatever you have around it. So if you if you have white sheets on your bed and you're using it at night to, um, let's say, help with the swelling of your ankle, then um, it might stain your sheets. So I would just use towels or something to put on your bed so that you're not worried about the staining. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I also use a lot of mint tea. It's really awesome for uh, just you know, any indigestion issues. Uh, just I love soothing. mint tea. Mm-hmm. My mom used to put it in, uh, yeah, she would make a tea, mm-hmm. but she would use like the actual, it wasn't just like a tea bag. Like she used it in such a pure form that it was almost intense to drink. Like I remember it would just burn my eyes and I'd be like, and it would be so, it would so feel strong. hot and cold mm-hmm. at the same time. Mm-hmm. It was cool. Yeah. I, I did notice, though, that when I drink a lot of mint tea, my teeth become very sensitive. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I wonder so, if it whitens it. It does I, whiten it. Yeah. I don't know if you noticed, but I'm oh, noticing it. It cool. does whiten your teeth. So when I used to, I used to drink a lot of black tea, which I still love, but um, the, the teeth yellow. When yeah. you drink a lot of uh, teas, you will notice that, unfortunately, it has that impact on your teeth. But then the mint tea, I just feel like it's getting, like, truly uh, whitened. But I don't like the sensitivity component. It just, and like, breaks down your enamel I or something. I think so. Well, maybe not exactly breaks it down, but I just, for some reason, um, now I have a lot more sensitivity to cold uh, or hot. Mm. Uh, so it might just make the teeth a little more sensitive. But still really wonderful for your stomach and helps out with indigestion and things like that. Gotcha. Another one that is a weird one. And so that that's why I left it for the last part. Um, so this was my grandfather's uh, favorite uh, home remedy. And he used it all the time. So he was um, a prisoner during World War II. Uh, and, um, and his stomach was ruined because... You know, during war, they didn't have a lot of food, and um, his stomach was ruined, and, you know, cold temperatures, a lot of infections, a lot of... So so he started drinking um, a home remedy, and that would be called uh, wormwood herb. And so that is a common herb that grows also just anywhere. And uh, he would, um, I believe, make teas out of it, and he would drink it. And that kills a lot of parasites, uh, helps with digestion. Uh, it can help with pain management. So he had a lot of pain uh, in his um, stomach and uh, intestines. Uh, so it also helps for Crohn's disease. Um, now, his teeth, uh, I just always remember that because he passed away when I must have been about nine. So I don't remember a lot, but I do remember that I always thought he had the best, widest uh, most beautiful looking teeth. I always remember that. Um, and I think that was the wormwood. He was drinking it almost every day. Uh, some literature, when you read about it, uh, warns that using it all the time would not be good actually for you. But for some reason, you know, he really loved it and he used it a lot. Now, the taste of it is um, 
I would say beware. <laughs> oh, no. What does yeah. it taste like? It's kind of disgusting. Uh. Yeah. I, I got it for myself recently because I thought, you know, I occasionally you, you just, um, I think it's just our our modern food. You know, we eat it. It, it actually uh, is not that healthy for us, a lot of the food. So, so when you have a sensitive stomach, sometimes it just, yeah. um, you know, doesn't doesn't work well with you. So, um, so I thought I would try Wormwood because my grandfather used it a lot. And so I bought the uh, dry herb. On Amazon, you can get it in a baggie for nine bucks or nine ninety nine, uh, in whatever the Amazon says, like seventy two hours or less, right? Yeah, uh, they delivered so fast. So, uh, so then it took me probably a few months to actually open it and uh, try it out. And when I tried it, I was like, Ugh, God, oh. this is disgusting, you know. Uh, but um, I did try it. I, I tried to drink it. So I think it makes it taste a little better if it's cold and you just don't taste it you just try to drink it but you can't get rid of the aftertaste for a while so so i think i wasn't as motivated to really use it i don't i don't really I wonder have if you a could lot just of have pain. it in a pill form or something they might just uh, crush it and put it in like a they gelatin might. capsule uh, so i only use it now if i feel like i had some side of some sort of food poisoning or something like that yeah because it seems like it really helps out but you know, it's so disgusting. I don't want to use it all the time. Right. So, so it, it, you know, when you read about it, it says it's, it's great for uh, Crohn's disease, any type of pain issues with your stomach, intestines, anything like that, reduces swelling. And I think there's all kinds of ways to use it. And like I said, I think, you know, I just know it from the personal side of things that teas and things like that. But I don't know any other way to use it, but I'm sure there's hundreds of ways to use it online. And there are people that have businesses that uh, probably uh, focus on warm wood or maybe comfrey or other things. So there's lots and lots of things to learn about it. But, Love it. Mm -hmm. Sophie says we have a question from one of our two listeners. Yay! <laughs> we love you. We love you. <laughs> also, if any of you listening would like to send in a question, please check the episode notes. And you can send in a voice note or email us a question anonymously. And make sure to let us know if you want your name used or not. Hi. Um, my question today is... How do you know when you're doing too much um, self-reflection or, like, work on your mental health? Like, is there a point where it just becomes um, maybe unhealthy or, like, obsessive? So the question is, how do you know that you're doing too much self-reflection or working on your mental health and maybe it becomes too much or almost obsessive. So how do you know? I think that's that's a also complicated answer. I think you know when you're spending a lot of time on it and maybe you can't do anything else. So just like we talked about addictions. Have we talked about addictions here? I think we briefly mentioned it in another okay. episode. Okay. So just like when you talk about addictions, how do you know that you're addicted to something? Well, you know it when you keep doing it to such an extreme that you're not doing anything else. So maybe And it's like getting in the way of exactly, your life. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. So can you become almost obsessed with wellness and mental health? 
Sure, you can. There's even uh, names for that kind of a condition. What it's is called it? Hypochondria, for example. Mm. So you become a very sensitive about any types of conditions or health problems, and you think that you have all of them, and then you try to find treatments for them, and then it becomes kind of like your um, life life's goal to find treatments for different conditions that you believe that you have. So. That's interesting because I always thought about that with like f- like physical illnesses, mm-hmm. like oh, do I have cancer or something mm-hmm. like that? But then I never thought of it with mental health. And that's, yeah. wow. People can, people can obsess over anything. So of, course, so, of course, if you do something to such an extreme that you think about it all the time, that's probably when you start maybe to wonder, is that too much? Yeah, it might be too much. Would one way to know be when it starts to have, like, a negative impact? Yeah. Definitely. Well, yeah. So when... Let's say you're at work and you can't focus on work at all because you want to keep looking up mental health or you want to keep thinking about what else can you do to feel better, definitely. What's the way to stop it? Just like any addiction or obsession, right? There's different (laughs) ways to answer that. Yeah. (laughs) Sophie, you're asking me tough questions. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) How do you stop something that's difficult to stop? By stopping it. Nike says, just do it. Just stop it, you know? (laughs) I feel like what I, because I've definitely gone down that path Uh before. Where I Well, well, like, give me an example. Mm. Um... I feel like it was more in the past, mm-hmm. uh, like with relationships, like constantly looking up, like, what does this mean? What does this mean? Am I having this or that? Like, is something wrong in the relationship or is something wrong with me? Kind of just mm. all this stuff. And then, well, now I kind of have my, of course, scheduled therapy time. So that's like an hour where I I, I show up for myself. Mm-hmm. But then after that, unless I'm having like a journaling time or a chat with a friend or something like that, then that's... I have just specific times where I mm-hmm. think about these things, I mm-hmm. guess. I think life helps to... Because I, I used to have more time to do all that, and now I feel like I have to actually schedule in time to. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I guess it's different if you're really addicted. But So I I think, you know, this sounds a little different. Like It sounds like you're maybe obsessing over a relationship and whether yeah. everything is going well in the relationship. I think the question is a little more about mental health in general and obsessing over mental health. So, but I think both questions are related in the way that we do obsess over things as human beings and they Mm -hmm. can be different things, but the process is the same. I guess it was kind of telling whether there was an issue in the relationship or whether I had relationship Mm -hmm. OCD or if this was anxiety. Mm -hmm. I mean, still, I know it's a little different. No, no. I think, you know, it's different, but it's the same. And Mm -hmm. this, and what's the same is the process of it. So you could be obsessing over your relationship and looking things up about it and thinking about it to such an extreme that you almost shut out the whole world and you're just thinking about that, right? Yeah. And that's one way of obsessing over that one topic. But then, That's a different... But then yeah. the person that's asking the question, you know, she's worried, well, maybe I'm thinking too much about mental health and maybe I'm doing too much almost where it becomes an obsession and how do I know if it's an obsession? And I think both of these questions are related, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how do you know if it's an obsession? The same way you would know if something's an an addiction, kind of. Probably, mm. right? So, so you could you could sit down and ask yourself some of these questions, like, am I doing this almost every day? Am I doing it almost all the time during that day? 
am I able to uh, engage in other meaningful activities or am I just thinking about this all the time, right? So, and then if it is, if it is an obsession and you, and you believe you're doing something too, too much, then you would, you would have to start thinking about how do you cut down on that behavior or how do you fix it, I guess. Does that happen with like perfectionists a lot? Definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's, you know, and you said before, you know, is it anxiety? Is it uh, OCD about my relationship? You know, I think definitely when people obsess over something or they engage in something to an extreme, they are, they are definitely experiencing some anxiety. So when, let's say if it's your relationship and you're obsessing over that, it's because you're worried because you think your relationship is going to fall apart or maybe you had broken relationships before and you just worry about that. So you keep thinking about it so much because you want to prevent the ending phase. You want to prevent the relationship from falling apart. So you're looking up articles, you're researching different experiences in people and maybe some of it calms you down and some of it makes you more upset. And so you keep keep digging Searching, yeah. right and if you could find some type of <sighs> yeah zen just looking and, to know i'm not crazy uh -huh. yeah. and if you could just cent center yourself sit down close your eyes for a minute do our med love meditation for example mm, right for sale soon or Woo! for free actually <laughs> <laughs> yeah if you could do our love meditation and and uh do some of these very positive self-affirmations then you would realize hey I'm pretty awesome. And if somebody wants to leave me, no matter how many articles I'm going to read, no matter how much I cater to their wishes, they're going to leave anyway. So you never have control over someone else's behavior. So you might as well just let it roll and uh, see what happens. And then, and then that's that. That's, you know, so, so you kind of have to talk yourself through this process and if you feel like you're obsessing, then you have to calm yourself down rather than amp up your anxiety and keep going with the worst case scenarios. Right. Mm -hmm. That's that's when with the relationships, right? But right. If, if we try to answer the other question with, you know, what if I'm doing too much about my mental health? Well, I think that's also anxiety mm -hmm. ridden kind of behavior. So if you're constantly reading self-help books and constantly researching online and listening to our podcast 24 seven, right? <laughs> <laughs> On autoplay, <laughs> then maybe you're doing a little too much. I mean, give yourself a break, do some other things. You can't be well when you do something all the time, so one activity all the time. And if that one activity is improving your mental health, then you're going to drive yourself nuts. You got to balance it. <laughs> you yeah. got to balance things, right? So you got to use your logic. Just like you can't, you know, eat just one type of food, you have to balance out your diet and you need a little bit of this and that and the other. So it's the same with, with that kind of a dilemma. Am I doing too much for my mental health? You might be. If you're worried about it, you might be doing a little too much. Yeah. I guess if you're even asking the question, it's kind of like, maybe, maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe. And it's normal to worry about things. But if you yeah. worry about it all the time, then, you know, let's try to find a different solution, a different holistic solution to your problem. Because it's interesting, like, even worrying about whether you're worrying about your mental right. health too much is, like, a part of it. <laughs> yeah, it's like your anxiety has anxiety. That's yeah, how bad it is. Yeah, mm -hmm. you're anxious that you're... Too anxious. anxious about 
being anxious. Yes, and some people experience that. It's just it's the worst. So, you know, so again, you just got to take a deep breath. Go to therapy if that's accessible. If that's accessible. And yeah. if it's not, then you just got to do some therapy with yourself. You sit down and you say, listen, you know, you got to take a breath, close your eyes, and remind yourself everything's going to be okay. Everything is always going to be okay. No matter what's going on, everything eventually gets better. Everything eventually progresses, moves, changes. So so why worry about it? And most of the time, and we, we have no control over life. I mean, we want to think we have control over life. And that's why some people develop these obsessive thoughts and worry so much, right? Because they feel like if they think about something all the time, then they will control the outcome of whatever the situation is. But it's kind they of an really illusion. can't. Mm-hmm. It's an illusion. Exactly. So the best thing you can do for yourself is to trust the process of life and trust that life will bring you whatever it is that you need in your experience. And you may not always like it. You know, you may dislike that you're stuck in traffic, but maybe that is exactly what you need because you can put your music on and listen to something. You could listen to this podcast yeah, and come up with some great ideas for your future, right? You could, uh, or maybe there's, you know, a terrible accident that that's going to happen if you were, if you were not stuck in traffic or something else that would happen, right? So you, you have to always kind of center yourself and remind yourself that no matter what, everything's going to be okay, no matter what, you know? Even if you lose your job, you find a better job. If you, if you lose a relationship, you're going to find a better relationship. If you, if you, um, get a condition or a disease a diagnosis, then maybe it's good because you got that early enough where you can do something about it, right? Yeah, there's so perspectives. You always got to use perspective. You always got to look at it from a bigger picture because sometimes, and I'm going to use this microphone as an example, when I'm close to this microphone and I'm talking to it, okay, it's it's like I'm talking to a penis, right? Because it's right <laughs> in my face, Right. <laughs> It's a Naked Truth podcast. I can talk about this. So yeah. so it's kind of like here I am talking to this penis, and that's what it feels like. And it's in my face, and it's huge. But if I remove myself <laughs> from it, it's going to get smaller, right? It's the same right. with issues. And I'm just using a funny metaphor. but No, it makes sense. If you, if you are feeling like you're right there staring at your problem in the face, like, like I'm staring in this penis, then it's huge, right? But if you remove yourself from that situation and you look at it from a different angle, it's no longer scary. Yeah, it's, it's like when I spend too much time alone, I kind of go to that place. But yeah. when I switch it up and I just get out the house, do something, go to a workout class or something, then my vision becomes bigger. Like I don't only have myself in the forefront. And mm-hmm. So sometimes yeah. you don't have to do anything to get better. Sometimes mm-hmm. you just have to change it up. You have to leave your room, you know, uh, explore life outside of your couch. Yeah. Um, just just go for a walk, look at nature, breathe, um, anything, right? So mm-hmm. sometimes problems are huge because we are right there and like right there staring at them from this distance that's like two inches from my face. Yeah. You know, if I am so close to this problem that I, that it, literally makes me not see anything else, then sure, that problem is huge. But the moment you distance yourself a little bit from that problem, it's suddenly not so big. Right. Hmm. Hmm. I like it. 
I like it. And I am here to amaze you, Sophie. And <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love the metaphors. <laughs> yeah. Oh. It's the naked podcast. What else cool. do we have if not metaphors right. of penises and vaginas? Right. Oh. <laughs>